This episode is sponsored by the Syracuse University School of Education. A pioneer in inclusive education, Syracuse offers scholarships for graduate programs in teacher preparation, counseling, higher education, educational leadership, instructional design, and more. Syracuse's equity-driven community leads in inclusive and anti-racist research and practice, as well as experimental learning and the integration of digital technologies. Advance the future of learning and your career. Visit soe.syr.edu slash pulse to learn more. That's soe.syr.edu slash pulse. You're now locked in to HBCU Pulse. We're the number one outlet for HBCU life, talking about everything that's important to our culture, from on-campus issues to politics and what's trending on the yard. We always keep that same energy. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to HBCU Pulse Radio. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the founder of HBCU Pulse and host of HBCU Pulse Radio in the building for another special edition of the show on today. HBCU football is back officially. We had a game that was last weekend, and I don't think it went in any way how anyone outside of Jackson State fans thought it would, but that's really good. It's good for the whole entire culture that it didn't. Ariel, how you doing today? I'm, you know... I hate being right, but I love being right at the same time. So I, I'm super ready to dive into this Jackson State and South Carolina State game because it went exactly how I thought it would. But I'm, I'm kind of disappointed, especially with the news that you sent me earlier. It's just like this is not how I wanted the season to start at all. Yeah, it was a lot that went on before the MEAC SWAC challenge. So let's go on and get into it. So Jackson State beat South Carolina State 37-7 to in the MEAC SWAC challenge. South Carolina State was not in the game in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Quarterback Jason Brown, who led the Tigers to the win, was named the starting quarterback on Saturday because T.C. Taylor did not divulge who was going to get that start or not because it was a three-quarterback competition, and Jason Brown did show out. 362 yards, 26 of 33 in his passing, and three touchdowns set a SWAC MEAC challenge record for yards thrown and completion percentage. He was in his bag all night, and South Carolina State could not get the offense going. And those seven points came in garbage time when the game was essentially over. It was really a 37 to zero game as we were, as, as the clock was ticking down. So Ariel, got to ask you this. Cause like you said, you, you were right. You called it. So just launch into it. What did you think about this game? I was honestly disappointed. This is South Carolina state now. Like this is what they look like. And I don't want to say this is their future or who they're going to be for the next two years, but I just don't see a difference between what happened last year and what happened on that field. For you to only score points within the fourth quarter and have all these fumbles, you had Corey Fields had an interception, then they tried to go on with their backup quarterback, and then Buddy Pugh starts doing the same thing that he did last year, where you keep switching quarterbacks and you keep having no type of fluidity. So now the team is confused, and now the team doesn't want to play, and to be dominated like that. Now, I can I can admit, I didn't think, so. <laughs> I didn't think that Jackson State was going to go this hard. I I had no idea the way that T.C. Taylor was going to come out with Jason Brown, with Mulligan, who was the star of the game, a really, really good dominance force as a running back position. I think they're going to do some really wonderful things with him as the season goes on. 
I did not expect that of them. I thought it was going to be a low scoring kind of let's see who we are identity type of game. But now we know who Jackson State is. And now we're just trying to see what is South Carolina State going to be. That besides last year, I think this was even more depressing and embarrassing to start the season for Buddy Pugh. I don't think this is the best way to go out. I don't think it's the best way at all either. And it's so interesting because the dichotomy of just sports conversations is that we're going based on what we think, especially in the preseason. Like the the HBCU football season ended in December and we're in August and we've been talking about all of these different possibilities for the past few months. It's almost been a year since HBCU football, if you look at it. And we've been talking about it all winter, all spring, all summer, all fall. Like, so we were just going off of what we thought based off of the experience of Coach Buddy Pugh, how the MEAC has fared against the SWAC, what happened to Jackson State. But I was saying I was saying last week, and like I said, I have no courage in my convictions. I put it on Twitter. I had no courage because I honestly felt in my heart that Jackson State was going to win. And go and run back the tape because I didn't sell South Carolina State going to win. I said the expert opinion is, I'm, is South Carolina State. But I was like, I really want to see Jackson State win. And I said, T.C. Taylor is a good coach. So although I had no courage and I will call myself out for that. And I'm going to, I'm going to rectify that for the rest of the season. I was sort of right because I knew that TC Taylor is a great coach. And I knew he was going to lead that team because TC Taylor has had experience before he got the job at Jackson state, because he was at North Carolina central coaching North Carolina Central on that offensive side of the ball to wins, developing great players. So you don't have all that experience as an assistant coach and as a coordinator and then come in and flop in your first game like that. I don't care who it's against. So I just, I'm so impressed with TC Taylor because the decision-making, how they managed the game, how they started the game, how they had a balanced run-pass attack, how you saw Jason Brown was a star, but it wasn't just him because you had Mulligan that went crazy. So I was really impressed with what TC Taylor did out there in South Carolina State. I just feel bad that we even just placed that faith in them because God bless them. Love South Carolina State. They won a 2021 Celebration Bowl, and we wanted them to win. But they are not ready for primetime. Corey Fields, to be honest, I should have said this last week. Corey Fields, I wasn't impressed with Corey Fields in that 2021 Celebration Bowl. The defense is really what changed that game, how they went after Shador Sanders. Like, so Corey Fields... He sort of had a 2021 Celebration Bowl first half the whole entire game. So, like, that was what really was perplexing to me. So, I got to ask you this, Ario, just the South Carolina State offense. Like, when you look at that offense, how anemic it was, and how Jackson State really contained them, like, what did you think about that South Carolina State offense, and is it fixable? Uh, I saw Corey Fields again not remembering to protect the ball, having interceptions, not looking down the field, not trying to be proactive, not trying to change different situations. You should have came back halftime and been like, okay, we can't go out like this. We're, this is a rematch of 2021. We know what we're capable of. We know what we can do. We, we have a defense. As long as our defense stops, you know, maybe Corey Fields can get something going. And that didn't happen. 
And so now I personally believe that this is going to be another testament of challenges and something that Buddy Pugh is going to have to go through, which I hate for that. You are going to have to find another quarterback and then sit down with your running back coach, you know, your offensive coach, be like, listen, obviously everything that we did this Saturday was wrong. Everything that we had planned, the competition that we thought we looked like complete trash. We're going to have to redirect all our plays, redirect how we practice, redirect how we're looking at film, because this cannot happen again. And they're going to go through a lot of good competition. They still have to go through Howard. They still got to go through Central. They still got to go through Norfolk State. They still got other teams that can beat them with the lack of enthusiasm and the lack of a game plan that they came in with Jackson State. I, I give all props to you, Randall. I didn't think they were coming out like this. You you know me, and I'll, I'll reference back to the video. I didn't think Jackson State was really going to have a good year. But apparently, they're on track to try to find another way to finally win the Celebration Bowl after going back-to-back -back years, finally find a way to actually take home a trophy. And if they do this and they play with this kind of stamina and South Carolina State keeps playing the way that they played in this MEAC SWAC challenge, there is no hope for them. Right now, I see no hope. I see no number one person. I see no star. I just see Buddy Pugh trying to figure out how I'm going to make it through this season and not make it as bad as what it was this past Saturday. Honestly, I don't think it's going to get any better throughout September because look at what happened this past weekend. So you have South Carolina State quarterback Corey Fields, like we talked about, 7 of 20 passing, 59 yards, one touchdown in garbage time. Like the lights were about to go down in the stadium. You know, it's like like through that touchdown, everybody was ready just to go. Like the game was over. Like I was writing my recap article for clutch points, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Let me just <laughs> let me put it at 59 yards and touchdown. And then when you look at what Jackson State was able to do with the run, they contained the run. South Carolina State only rushed for 138 yards and 4.1 yards per carry when we sort of thought that that was going to be what South Carolina State did to establish dominance in the game. Then you look at that first drive, Corey Fields went 0 for 3 because they threw the ball every time. That perplexed me, and it perplexed a lot of folks in this HBCU football media space. Everybody was like, why are you throwing it three times? Like, why are you doing that? Why don't you do what you did in 2021? Like, Buddy Pugh is still there. He's been there for 22 years. It's not like... South Carolina State has a new coach right now. You ran the ball back then. So run it now, like establish the game, like sort of get Corey Fields, you know, to get things going, to get the jitters out. It's the first game of the season on ABC in primetime. Like let everybody get in the flow. Then you add that thing out. Like then you keep them guessing. They're going to run it. They're going to pass it, play action. But that just simply didn't happen. And then when you look at what's going to happen with South Carolina State, they play Charlotte on Saturday. That's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know if I want to watch that game. They play Georgia Tech, ACC school. You know, Georgia Tech ain't been all that great, but they go real great with what we saw last week. Then the Citadel. They're going to play the Citadel. The Citadel's coach is a former coach for Buddy Pugh. He's going to be like, listen, Coach Pugh, you're retiring. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Now, I'm going to put 50 on your head. Y'all not going to score a point. But God bless you, sir. Thank you for this opportunity. Like, it's going to be bad. And then they're going to play Virginia University of Lynchburg. And shout out to them. They're going to beat that team. But honestly, they're going into the season with no wins going into October. Going into October. Because that's how the MEAC schedule is with only six teams playing football. So, Ari, I think you're totally right. I think South Carolina State 
might have a worse record this year. Hopefully they prove me wrong because I want them to prove me wrong because that's not how Buddy Pugh should go out in his retirement. But Ariel, I'm thinking two and nine is on the schedule because who they beat in the MIA? The only team that I believe they could possibly beat, Delaware State. I see no hope for them against Central. I see no hope for them against Norfolk. The most important thing that you must have besides someone that can pass or that can run, you need somebody with a form of leadership and somebody with a sense of when my team is down, I know I can look at my quarterback and I know as a quarterback what I need to do to pick my team back up. Sometimes you have to be independent and none of these two quarterbacks that I have seen on the field that Saturday had any kind of vision of, well, this is going to happen. What do I do next? Because Buddy Pugh can only coach you and he can only tell you so much. But as a player, it comes to those times where you have to make a decision yourself. If my coach can't figure it out, then I have to figure it out with my players. And that didn't happen. So for your win to maybe only be Delaware State and you got to go through all these other teams that are just picking up, honestly, where they're, where they're left off, you got – the champion central just going to pick up where they left off. Cause we already know what they're going to bring coming up this week. Then you have Howard who is trying to beat the champions because they tied for first and still end up being second in the MIAC. So I think it's going to come to a decision. Like I said, you're going back to the chalkboard. You're going to have to establish your quarterback because if you don't, then everything just falls. And then from there, try to see what works best for Corey Fields Jr. We all saw between Today, well, yesterday and also last year, that he is not the best passer. Throwing is not really his strong suit, and, and it's ironic because he is a quarterback. But maybe he's really good with the RPO. Maybe he's really good as a quarterback sneak. We need to find his strengths and weaknesses because trying to play a dual quarterback throughout the season is not going to work. That can't be the game plan for this year to do what we did last year. They have to try to find something different. And maybe he's a game manager. Like, I, maybe that's just the role because you had, you know, a really nice run game. Then you had Shaq Davis on that 2021 team. And Shaq Davis was a playmaker. He's with the Saints now, doing a lot of amazing things in preseason as we're recording this. So, I mean, maybe it was that. Like, maybe you're a game manager and you're just getting the ball to your playmakers and you're allowing them to make it happen. And that's perfectly fine. I mean, I, like what I was told for so many years, Tom Brady was a game manager. You know, so it's like, you know, hey, like, be like Tom Brady at this point. I can be like Tom Brady. I can be a game manager. I can just throw it to my guys. Throw it to Randy Moss. Throw it to Shaq Davis. You know what I'm saying? Like, just find your guys. So, like, for me, I think that maybe could be what he is. But I want to talk about a playmaker, Ariel, because we got to talk about Jackson State. Because Jackson State proved everyone wrong, and they have been saying it to everyone. I have had one of my folks tell me that I rock with as a Jackson State fan and alum. And he said, listen, because I because I said, I said that I didn't have the courage in my convictions, and I felt like Jackson State was going to win, but I just didn't know because I didn't know how that team was going to mesh. And one of the folks said, listen, you let them experts get you all off. You listen to all these experts that saying Jackson State is, is going to lose X, Y, Z. You should have just want your common sense. And I was like, you know what? I'll take it. I should have went with my head instead of my heart because that heart is pride. And one of the people, and you said it, Ario, that was a star this game, the MEAC Swag Challenge, was Irvin Mulligan, 109 yards on 13 carries, one touchdown, 46-yard touchdown. That was the first touchdown of the year for Jackson State. 
went insane because he bounced off a couple of defenders. I thought I was watching Madden. Like, he bounced off a couple of defenders, got around that edge, ran in there for a touchdown. And see, here's the thing about Urban Mulligan, right? So he joined Jackson State in December after the previous coach left. He came from Wofford University. That's an FCS school. They were good in 2019. He was on that team, but they have not been good these past few seasons. They were 1-10 in 2021. They were 3-8 in 2022. So he's always been talented, but he wasn't on a team that could truly maximize his talents. And we see now that he's on a team with Jackson State and under T.C. Taylor, where he's going to get a lot of experience alongside J.D. Martin. Because he had J.D. Martin that was running the ball. J.D. Martin had a fumble. J.D. has to watch that. But Irvin Mulligan, like he was a star. And even at Wofford, in his career at Wofford, he rushed for 1,329 yards on 190 attempts, 11 touchdowns, 69-yard average per game. This guy was good at Wofford. So I can only choose to believe that he is going to be good in the swag. And I think he's going to be a good replacement alongside J.D. Martin, a two-running back type of system, and you have other running backs that's in that system as well in that room. That's going to be a good replacement for Sylveon Wilkinson, who transferred to Colorado. So honestly, looking at this, Ariel, I told you that FAMU made it to the Celebration Bowl. I'm going to have some courage in this next little segment we about to do. I'm going to have some courage, but my courage is shaking a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to you. I'm shaking a little bit with what I saw from Jason Brown, what I saw from the offensive line, what I saw from the defensive line, and what I saw from Irv Mulligan. So I got to toss this to you, Ariel. Orange Blossom Classic on this weekend, Labor Day weekend, the game of the year. This might be the, the Black College National Championship like it's 1961 out here. So we just really don't know. So what do you think? Like, How do you think the Orange Blossom Classic is going to go now that we know what Jackson State's going to be like? I think what some people may have forgotten and what we really didn't think about, Jackson State was good last year. But Jackson State main attack that it decided to choose was the air game. We all knew that Shador Sanders could pass, and we loved when he did that. And it was also pretty nice that he could take off by himself too. Not the fastest runner, but he got you somewhere. We are now seeing Jackson State in a dual threat era. Not dual threat in their quarterback, but they have a running game now, and they have a solid passing game. Those two put together, having both lines of attack that you can go either or, Let's mind you, I did not see a yard under 10 with Mulligan. Every time he had the ball, 14 yards, 22 yards, 44 yards, 60 yards. You have a running back that can get you first downs and more every single time he touches the ball. So not only do you have Jason Brown that is, I you know, I hate to say it, but is actually a really good quarterback and a nice choice for Taylor, but you also have Mulligan, you have Powers, you just have multiple lines of threats. And it's just like to see this. And now we want to talk about the Orange Blossom Classic and FAMU. And FAMU's not coming like this. Randall, we might be disappointed because now I, now I see a good game. Now I see something that FAMU probably wasn't ready for. They're probably like, we're going to pick off of him. We're going to we're gonna rush him. We're going to make sure that he's forced to throw this ball. Maybe get a couple of fumbles. 
But now you look at this Jackson State and what Taylor has done in this game, I think the competition is going to be a little bit harder, but I have, you know, I have more faith and courage than you. I still do think, fam, you can pull off this win, but this Jackson State team is completely different and adding all these new weapons and adding all these new tools underneath their belt, I just feel like they can only get better. So I'm re- I'm ready for this game. I'm a little weary about it, but I still believe, fam, you can pull out. But this, this is, the chemistry was beautiful. The way they played there was beautiful. You would have thought this, like you said, was Madden. Like, we're just, we're throwing all the, we're throwing everything, just press anything. Like, we're doing it all. This is a different team. So this game, the Orange Box of Custom that I'm going to be looking at, because I just need to see if FAMU is actually up to the challenge that Jackson State is posing, especially after Saturday. When it comes to the FAMU-Jackson State matchup, I'm going to stick with my pick that FAMU is going to win. I think that FAMU has something to prove this season in this Willie Simmons era because they have been immensely successful. Because like we said, in 2019, they had some situations that precluded them from possibly going to, to the Celebration Bowl. And North Carolina a and handled their business, and they went. Fam, you could have gone in 2019, and we'd be having a totally different conversation about a lot of things. So for me, Ariel, like, I'm going to have the courage and my conviction this week. I still believe that FAMU is going to make it to the Celebration Bowl against North Carolina Central. I believe that they're going to be the number one team in the SWAC East. I believe they're going to make it to the SWAC Championship. I think this is a prove-it season for FAMU, and Jackson State looks really great, and I think Jackson State is going to go in there, and they're going to compete with FAMU. But FAMU has something to prove in this Willie Simmons era because it's been a successful era. They just don't have the hardware to show for it. 2019, they're in the MEAC. They could have managed the Celebration Bowl, but they had some off-the-field situations that precluded them with the NCAA, and then you see North Carolina a t they made it. They win the Celebration Bowl. If it, Like, for all we know, history could have changed. Then, yeah, 2021, they lose to Jackson State in a 7-6 defensive battle. Then they lose to an FBS opponent, but they win the rest of the games they're supposed to win, and then they make it to the FCS playoffs. To me, that's a successful season. But what is there to show for it? And then in 2022, you start off the year with a compliance issue. You go to UNC, which was a really good team, and you competed with them, put up a lot of great points. Musa looked great. Xavier Smith looked great. A lot of those players that got a chance to play looked amazing in that game. Then you go to Jackson State, you get blown out 59-3, to and I can't defend that. No one's trying to defend that. Jackson State beat them down. And then you clean that up. You then win the rest of your SWAT games, and then you could have made it to the playoffs again. You were on the bubble with other tough FCS teams, and you didn't make it, and it was a really convincing argument that you should have. Like, FAMU has been successful, but they need something to show for it. So I think that FAMU, just as much as Jackson State, is going to come out there with something to prove. I think that that FAMU squad, like I said last week, they were looking at that game and they were trying to see, okay, how can we win? How can we get in there? And the thing that I see that I really want to see is Jason Brown versus Jeremy Musa. Can Jason Brown, who showed and proved, set records in the MEAC Swag Challenge? Can he outdo the SWAC preseason offensive player of the year in Jeremy Musa? I think that that's really going to be the first thing because Musa is a really great quarterback, but his worst game of the year last year 
was against Jackson State. 11 of 27 for 102 yards, no touchdowns. But Moose is a quarterback that can do the exact same thing that Jason Brown did against Alabama AM. 24 for 42 for 345 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions in a 38 to 25 victory over Connor Manor and Alabama AM. So if we want a firefight, if we want an offensive game, Jeremy Musa can give that to them. So I'm just saying, and then all this hype, because we know we want to see HBC players get drafted. We want to see HBC players in the NFL. We want to see that because we know our players, they're great, and they can compete with players in any other conference. We don't care about it because we see what's happened with Shaquille Leonard. We see what's happened with Javon Hargrave. We even see what's happened with Isaiah Land and Marquise Bell and Emmanuel Wilson. So we want these HBC players to play in the pros in the NFL and from what I've been seeing, Javon Morgan and Kendall Bowler for FAMU, the defensive back duo, they're supposed to have pro potential. They're on their Nia's Williams Award list. They're on the Reese's Senior Bowl watch list. We had Jordan Reed, a former MEAC quarterback at North Carolina Central, and now he's an ESPN draft analyst. He has Javon Morgan on his top 10 HBCU players that could be drafted. So you have guys with pro potential at FAMU that a lot of folks are looking at to win postseason awards and make it to the big leagues. So how is Jason Brown and Jackson State in general with that offensive game, how are they going to acquiesce to that? So I think that that's really going to be the battle. And I think FAMU's going to win. I now think <laughs> that's going to be a high-scoring game. <laughs> it's not going to be like a low score. It's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be fun. But I think that family is ultimately going to win. But then I think I will say this one last thing. I think that Jackson State will lose this game. It's going to be probably the game of the year. But they're going to win the rest of their SWAT games and they're going to make it to the playoffs. So Jackson State and FAMU are going to switch places. That's what I think after what I saw in the MIAC SWAT Challenge. You know, I think the Achilles heel for Jeremy Musa and this FAMU team is literally the Jackson State's defense. So the first year that they're playing seven to six, it wasn't that to me, I think Jeremy Musa is one of the best quarterbacks to have in the pocket because he's flexible. He can give you time. He's a quick snapper. If you remember that 2021 season, he's a very quick snapper. His release is three seconds or less. And I love that he's, he's tunnel vision and he knows where he wants to go. And he knows that between Jackson state, and some of these other things, but mostly Jackson State, that I have to make sure that the ball is out of my hands quick because they're coming for me. And they have rushed him a couple of times where they do put pressure on Jeremy Wilson. Sometimes he's either sacked or he just has to take the down. But I believe that in this, in this year, when we get that matchup, it is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think we're going to have what we have for the past few years where it's 7-6 or they're getting blown out just because, honestly, the blowout was from not having all your players. But, you know, that that is a different story. If you lose, you lose. You know, people are going to come up with their own excuses why it was still you that high-scoring loss of a game. But this year, I think they're going to have to try to find a way to put that ball in the air and go for some yards because – Looking at this defense right now, what they did to South Carolina State, albeit it is South Carolina State, maybe this was easy for them, maybe it wasn't, but they are not going to let their running back on FanU's team get more than 
anything than five yards. That's just honestly in your playbook, you're going to have to have more pass options than you are trying to run that ball because trying to run a ball against Jackson state is literally trying to run into a run through a wall. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be your best plan of attack. So Jerry Musa with his quick release and having and his ability to make time in the pocket is going to have to figure out how to get these players down the field because the air game to me is the only way that you can win against Jackson state. Jackson State has developed and they have sustained a defense that is impenetrable. So as Jeremy Musa, and as good as he is and as great as I want to see this quarterback matchup, is going to have to find a way to keep the ball in the air, get as many yards as he can, and stay ahead of Jackson State. You can't come from behind at Jackson State. Jackson State is just that dominant. They're not, they may get you, they may let you have a lead or so, but after that second half, you're not winning. Jackson State has made it up in their mind, like, okay, we let you play with this, but when we want to win, we want to win. So Jeremy Musa and his team are going to have to come hard. They're going to have to keep that ball in the air, and they're going to have to make sure that if they do want to run this play against defense, that they are protecting this ball and that they have a good running back because that is a wall of people that he's not going to be able to get through. But this is a game that I do believe they can win. And maybe if they don't, this might be a situation where you kind of see what Howard and Central is kind of like. This game may mean everything, depending on how their schedule goes. Whoever loses is going to have to win the rest of their season. I don't think they could take any more hits after this. These are two dominant teams that want to come out of this. So if Jackson State loses, of course, they're going to have to win every game after this. If FAMU loses, looking at their schedule, they might have to win every game after this because this is a game that can decide their future. This is a game that can actually decide who is going to play. I'm just going ahead and put it out there. Who's going to play Central in the Celebration Bowl? This game is very important for everybody, but I think FAMU has a little bit more to worry about just because how Jackson State has already established themselves. I totally agree. And then we could be in a situation like how it was last year when you see FAMU they play West Florida. And as a D2 guy, as you know, I don't have a problem with that. And I would have preferred they played in HBCU. I would I would have loved to have seen Tuskegee. I would have loved to have seen Benedict. I would have loved to have seen them play Albany State again in this new regime, especially with the new coach at Albany State being a FAMU alum, one of the FAMU greats. So that would actually been really fun, a homecoming for him of sorts. So I don't like that they're playing West Florida. And also West Florida is, is a contending team but also win or lose to the FCS committee that determines who's making it to the playoffs if they don't make the Celebration Bowl and they lose for a third straight time to Jackson State. Now it's like, could it be the same thing again where you, you, you win nine games, but we're taking one off because you beat a D2 school? And now I got to hear, well, why are these FCS teams playing D2 teams? And now as the Fort Valley State University graduate in the SIAC, I'm like, why y'all beating up on D2 teams like that? Like, we just as good, too. Why y'all going to do us like that? So it's going to be the same thing over and over again. Deja vu. And this time, I'm just going to log off social media. I just don't have the time for it. Because like, I just, I, I can't deal with it. But I have to say this, Aria. I think this is a very interesting thing, too. And I know your team in the FBS is Florida State. All right? So one thing that I saw, and I wrote about it on Clutch Points on last Friday, Willie Simmons made two big-time hires. He had former University of Arkansas Pine Bluff coach, Doc Gamble. He's going to be coaching the special teams for FAMU. But he probably made a super-duper splash hire that's going to really be great for Bowler and Morgan. He hired former Florida State standout 
Dallas Cowboys player and CFL two-time champion Patrick Watkins to the staff. So, Ari, I got to ask you this. As a Florida State fan, is fam you're going to have a little bit of seminal energy on that defense? I would hope so. I, I'm a very big Florida State fan. And if anybody knows, it's been a little rough these past couple years trying to make it back in a playoff contention series or even just trying to go to the national championships with all our woes. But the one thing that you can never, ever deny Florida State is their defense. And I think this is a perfect hire. I think it's always good and not not saying this, you know, to irk anybody, and it probably is. But I think it's always good to have somebody or try to pull somebody that knows the competition of where you want to be. I think it's good when teams realize that, hey, we need some help. And maybe to get that help is to choose from schools that are in the position that we want to be. And I think this is a really great hire. And I think this is going to do something to the defense of FAMU. Maybe it might put them on the same level or a competing level as Jackson State. And I personally don't want (laughs) another 7-6 game. I could do without it. I want a high scoring game. I want an impactful game. I need this to be the sweat game of our lives. Not for the week, but for the rest of my life. This is the game I want to talk about. When we get old and we get gray and we do our reunion episode, this is the game that I want to remember. And this is the game I want to look back and be like, wow, this is probably the best game that we have ever analyzed. Like that's that's what I want it to be like. So hopefully with this edition and Thank you, Florida State, for allowing us to borrow him. <laughs> um, this is going to make it a really, really good game. But Willie Simmons is in his bag right now. So I'm I'm super excited. That made me really happy. And I think Willie Simmons knows what he's doing this year. And it's going to be, oh, this is going to be a tough season in the swag. I totally agree. And I think that the addition of Doc Gamble as well, I know that his tenure at UAPB wasn't the greatest and he did get fired midseason. But I just think that, having someone that's been in the swag on that special teams unit, he's not only just going to be coaching special teams, he's going to be advising Willie Simmons. So he's not going to be like, hey, listen, you coach special teams, you get in together, like, no. It's going to be like, hey, what you think about this? It's going to be coaches' meetings. It's, all, it's also going to be situations where he's mentoring players, Doc Gamble. He's going to be mentoring players. He's going to be saying, hey, I think you should do this. So you actually have like another head coach on your staff that has been in the swag and that have seen has seen different things. So I think that's going to be valuable as well. All right, so Ariel, of course, we're super excited for the Orange Blossom Classic. That's really the game of the week for both of us. I think everyone is ready to see that. It's going to air on ESPN, and that's going to be the last time that FAMU is going to be in the Classic for the foreseeable future. I covered that on Clutch Points. Everyone make sure to go check that out. Now we're on to the SIAC, also known as the SIAC. We got Benedict versus Shaw to start up. Who are you choosing, Randall? Give me a good analysis of who is going to take out this game. So this game is going to be the game of the Saturday. Because I think the game of the weekend, of course, is Fort Valley versus Tuskegee. I'm a little bit biased, but also I believe that this is going to be who fa- that's who faces Benedict in the SIC championship in my picks. But Benedict versus Shaw, that's a tougher game than I originally thought because I was like, Benedict wins that game outright. But Shaw did upset Bowie last year. They started off with Bowie with an L, 17-14. to 14. And they are they are also are really good at stopping the run. That's what Winget did in the playoffs. Also, you have Benedict. What's gonna happen with Benedict? Eric Phoenix is gone. Eric Phoenix went to Murray State. 
So now who's going to be at quarterback? It's gonna, are we going to see a Jason Brown, Jackson State situation with Benedict? We very well could because Coach Barrett can coach. We very well could see a quarterback come in and just change the whole entire thing up. Run game goes crazy, but we got to see what happens. I'm going to pick Benedict because that's the safe pick, but I'm a little bit nervous because Shaw's looking really good, and I think that they're going to emerge as a contender in the CIAA South. I think Fayetteville State better watch out because they might have some competition. Well, I'm going to be unsafe and go with the ladder and say it's going to be Shaw. You know, but you know, you know, and your picks are a little bit better than me, but we'll, we'll see. And then on Sunday, these are one of the top two games, and one of them is the game of the week that every HBCU platform has been talking about in D2. Morehouse versus Virginia Union. I'm definitely giving this to Virginia Union, but what is your pick, Randall? Morehouse is going to be better than they have been in recent years. I think they can have a 2021 season under this new coach, but I believe that Virginia Union is going to win because Jada Byers, that's just the only name I got to say. I think Jada Byers, he is determined. He wants to get what he didn't get last year. He did not get an opportunity to go to CIAA championship and lead Virginia Union to that. A lot of folks have Jada Byers on their draft board with some buzz, you know, so he might really get out of there and get picked or get signed. So this might be his last season. We don't know. This might be his last season. I have no idea, but I think that Jada Byers has pro potential. He's going to show that on NFL Network against Morehouse in the Black College Football Hall of Fame Classic. It's going to be sad. The CIAA is going to win this one. It's going to be 1-1 CIAA SIC. Benedict wins. Virginia Union wins. So that's how it's going to be. I think Virginia Union is going to be at the top of the CIAA once again this season. It result, Jada Byers is the answer. That's that's all that's needed. Any, any good running back, any running back that is like Jada Byers is the answer. And now for the game of the week, which is definitely disputable, for Valley State, versus Tuskegee. This is your this is your alma mater. This is your team. Where 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 are we going with? So I like to be honest and I don't want to be like a homer or someone that's biased because if Fort Valley is going to lose a game, I'll say it. I don't think they lose this game. I think Fort Valley wins. They've won the past two seasons and they won under two different coaching regimes. So now you have coach Gibbs, former North Carolina AT coach I was out there coaching the running backs, coaching some successful running backs in the NFL. He did it once again with Emmanuel Wilson. So clearly he knows something. He clearly knows something with his running backs. So I want to see how the running backs do. Who's going to replace Emmanuel Wilson as that first string running back? But you also got to understand this. You got Kelvin Durham, who is the SIC preseason offensive player of the year. You had a lot of players that are returning that made that all SIC first team. Like Fort Valley is determined because we could have made it to the playoffs. We, if we beat Benedict and then we beat Albany state, like we could have easily made it to the SIC championship. I know Savannah state precluded us with that loss later, late in the season, but that could have been us with an undefeated season. And we had our best start last season. So to be honest, it's hard to win three straight games. And Tuskegee, historically, they have been one of the best teams in HBC football, period. But I think that this is Fort Valley's time. They're under an amazing coach for as long as he's with Fort Valley. Because I think that the success that Coach Sean Gibbs is going to undertake, I don't know if Coach Sean Gibbs is going to be at Fort Valley that long. I have no sourcing on that. I just believe he is that great of a coach that there are going to be some teams in the FCS, some other D2 teams, and even FBS, who knows, that are going to be calling saying, here, name your price. We're bringing you up here. But I think that as of now, 
With Coach Sean Gibbs, I think that he is going to lead the team to the win alongside Kevin Durant being his starting quarterback. And it's going to probably be a close game because Tuskegee wants this win, but Fort Valley has this. You know, surprisingly, I think Tuskegee is going to upset Fort Valley State. I think they're going to win this game. And I hope I'm right. I might be wrong. It is, it is D2, but I, I hope I'm right. Randall, these are our games for this week. All these games look pretty good for week one for us to finally be back in college football. Yeah, I want to say you're going to be wrong about that Fort Valley-Tuskegee game. But if you were right, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, Tuskegee is one of the best teams in HBCU football. So just historically, so I wouldn't be surprised at that. So before we go, we have to talk about this. So head coach Buddy Pugh, I know we talked a lot about South Carolina State losing to Jackson State 37-7 in the MEAC SWAC Challenge. But before the MEAC SWAC Challenge, South Carolina State and Buddy Pugh announced that he was retiring. So listen, we got to give flowers to Buddy Pugh. He was announced as the head coach of the South Carolina State Bulldogs in 2001, started coaching in the 2002 season, immensely successful, winning this head coach in the history of South Carolina State. He came after Willie Jeffries, where that's a tall task. So Ariel, you are a MEAC graduates because North Carolina A&T forever a MEAC team. So how do you feel about Coach Buddy Pugh retiring? You know, it's bittersweet because of what he's done and all the coaches in the MEAC present and past and hopefully future talk that he is one of those pillars in the MEAC. He's the one that kept these teams together. He's produced really great work and I hate to see him leave, but maybe this will be a time for South Carolina State to really see who they are, maybe give someone else a chance, but also to, they owe Buddy Pugh, I believe, this season to try to make it the best and one of his greatest last season that he's had because he deserves that, especially with all that he's done in the championships that he's won and the people that he's impacted. I think it is due to him and is definitely owed that this season goes out with the bang, regardless if that means a championship or not. It could just be a really, really good record. But he has meant so much to us, and we hate to lose, and we hate to see him go. I'm glad that all and everything, he leaves on a better terms. He did this himself. This was something that he decided to do. It wasn't anything of, we're letting you go. We're not trying to replace you. He just thought it was time to leave, and I'm glad they let him leave on his own terms. It is with due respect that we give him his flowers, and I hope whatever he decides to do next or if retirement is his plan to just sit down and play with the grandkids, that it goes very well. But he will sorely be missed in the MEAC, and we hope that he comes around for some games. Yeah, he's going to definitely be missed, and I, I think that oftentimes we understate the greatness of coaches because, you know, we talk about Eddie Robinson. We talk about Pete Richardson. We talk about Jake Gaither, but you look at modern day legends. How many modern day legends do we really get to see coach? Because we talk about all these other folks, like they were coaching, we were kids, but we're here to see coach Buddy Pugh, who was coaching since we were kids. Like, like literally, like he has been the head coach of South Carolina State since 2002, the winningest head football coach in South Carolina State history, even more wins than legendary head coach Willie Jeffries, led South Carolina State to two national championships in 2009, and then, of course, in 2021, which we all know what that one was, and we thought that Saturday was going to be that. But he's just 
amazing. And he, well, I think one of the things that he is the best known for and that he's going to be remembered for is how he's developed people. I mean, first you look at the players he developed. So many professional players in his years with South Carolina State. And of course, the first ones you think of, Javon Hargrave, who just got a payday from the 49ers and was just in the Super Bowl. So, like, he's going to be amazing. He, he's going to have a phenomenal career. He's always having a great career. Then you have Shaquille Leonard with the Indianapolis Colts. Like, those two could possibly be Hall of Famers one day, especially Darius Leonard. So, that's under head coach Buddy Pugh in the past few years. And then let's not forget, he's also had an amazing coaching tree. And I want to just say, I did my research, and the ESPN put it up during the game. I didn't know this. Florida head coach Billy Napier was an assistant coach and QB coach in 2005 under Buddy Pugh. That was his first coaching opportunity. He went on to be the coach of Florida. So come on, Buddy Pugh been doing his thing. Virginia head coach Tony Elliott, he was the wide receiver coach in 2006 and 2007. And then the Citadel coach Maurice Drayton, he was the special teams defensive back coach in 2008 and 2009. And he's going to send off Coach Pugh. I'm not going to lie to you. like Because he's going to see Coach Pugh, and Coach Pugh is most likely not going to have his team win against the, the Citadel. But it's sort of going to be a full circle moment. Because win or lose, you help that coach get to where he is because he was under your staff. Like, look at his coaching tree. Look at, look at the players that he's coached. I think that that's going to be the lasting legacy of Buddy Pugh. Almost like what we say about Eddie Robinson, all the all the amazing Hall of Fame players and pro talent that he coached. Like, this is our modern-day Eddie Robinson. And I must say, in my years of watching HBCU football and being involved in HBCUs for the past eight years, it's been a pleasure to see Buddy Pugh coach and see his greatness and see his teams achieve so much success. All right, so Ariel, a lot of stuff covered today. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at underscore underscore dot modern day Ari, or you can follow me on Twitter, put me in the hot seat at askgreery underscore underscore, or follow me on my website at the unnextopinion.weebly.com. Like what you hear? Uh, yeah. Subscribe to HBCU Pulse Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, head to HBCUPulse.com to stay up to date on what's going on in the HBCU community. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to HBCU, HBCU Pulse, Pulse Radio. Radio.